This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super excited. Guys, if you're a sports fan right now, I'm just telling you what, it is one of the greatest times on earth. You got March Madness coming up, Selection Sundays this Sunday, and then everybody's going to be making their brackets. You got the NBA and the NHL just in the middle of a rat race towards the postseason. Both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference in both sports are absolutely on fire. Baseball, you got spring training. Everyone's favorite team is loading up, getting ready for the regular season and get going on March 31st. You got the World Baseball Classic. Every team is looking like a team that could compete in this game. They're obviously some powerhouses. You got upset city team Cuba losing to team Italy. It's unbelievable what's going on there. And then, of course, the new league year for the National Football League begins on March 15th. You got all sorts of drama going on right now. The Ravens with their franchise tag of Lamar Jackson. You got the Jets going out to visit Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Hopefully we get them out of there. There's all sorts of great stuff to keep up with. Derek Carr going to the Saints. I mean, stuff is just going off the hook right now but i want to pull it back a little bit talk a little baseball this is our baseball show here at the barroom network there's nobody i'd rather be talking to right now over a various sort of baseball topics than an associate editor from multiple different fan-sided sites mike luciano mike did i say luciano right luciano luciano i've heard both I'm going with whatever. I was debating in my head which one of them I was going to say because Luciano rose off the tongue, but then you could like go for the Italian, be like, "Hey, Luciano, how you doing?" Well, that's how it is. The Americanized is Luciano. I've heard both. It's a family debate. No uh, clear solution. I, as an Italian myself, big win over Team Cuba earlier today. Um, <laughs> I would go with Luciano myself personally, but you know, <laughs> I appreciate you for coming on our show. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Of course. It's my pleasure. So obviously you're doing all this with Fansided and you're coming up with all these articles for various teams. Before we get into talking about these teams, how'd you get started with all this? Well, originally I interned with an old site called 12 Up, if anybody remembers that, way back in my senior year of college. And it just happened to be at the time run by Adam Weiner and Thomas Carinante, who both run Yanks Go Yard and do a bunch of other stuff with Fansided right now. So after kind of honing my skills a little bit with them, eventually Fansided kind of swallowed up 12 up and me and a couple other guys came over and then eventually just kind of worked my way up the ladder. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. So the World Baseball Classic is going on right now. You got Team Italy upsetting Team Cuba, as I'm not going to stop saying all show long. Team USA is getting ready to start here in a couple days. You got Team Japan pulling off a big win over China earlier today. I mean, this, this stuff has been off the hook. Is there a team specifically that you're rooting for in this? Is there, you know, are you rooting for certain players from whatever your favorite team is? What is Mike Luciano's version of the World Baseball Classic at its best? Well, my wallet and my FanDuel account would hope that the Dominican Republic or Venezuela ends up coming out on top. I do, in terms of just purely aesthetically and purely fun, how far they end to watch, I really can't find a team better than Japan, especially against China with Otani going up against a team. Now, I know that China is trying to put more money into baseball just as an investment thing to try to grow the game more, but they're in the very early stages of that. So when you get a guy who, there's actually a great article, I forget who wrote it, but basically most of the Chinese team in this World Baseball Classic started out with an independent league team called the Texas Air Hogs way back when. I don't think the team's around anymore. So you basically have independent league players playing against Shohei Otani at the peak of his powers. I mean, that was that that was man amongst boys like you'll very rarely see in this World Baseball Classic. But uh, I still think the Dominican Republic is the fair. It's just not only the fact that they have so many players, but so many of the big boppers came over, actually participated. Venezuela, though, is, is tough because just looking at the lineup, I think offensively there's really no weeks. In the World Baseball Classic, it's tough to get one through nine that stacked. Venezuela has it. Absolutely. Uh, going in, do you have any love for Team USA, like in terms of their roster and what they might be able to pump out on the field? I mean, you look at the roster and you see Nolan Arenado and Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. I mean, this team's pretty stacked too. Well, on a baseline level, whenever you have guys like that, you're going to get into, in my opinion, probably the Final Four. So I think at this point... The Dominican Republic, the U.S., and Japan are far above the rest. And it's going to be that one sneaky team, that one Cinderella team that challenges them. In my mind, it could be the Venezuelans. Hopefully, it's the Italians because Vinny Pasqualatino could just go nuclear at any time. But there's a chance there. I think that their pitching is good, not great. But at the same time, if you just get hot for a two-week stretch offensively, that could just be enough to carry it. Absolutely. You brought up Vinny P on Team Italy. We see him a lot here in Chicago because he's on the Kansas City Royals and he's playing against the White Sox a fair amount. Um, Got to be exciting like to think of a team like Italy or like Venezuela coming kind of coming out of nowhere and being a Cinderella story. We saw the Netherlands upset Cuba the other day. I mean, the, they're calling themselves the Kingdom of Netherlands right now and their uniforms are awesome. I mean, I agree with you. I think it'd be so fun to see a team like that rise up. Well, Italy's even more fun because, number one, it's at least with Britain and the Netherlands, they have all the overseas dependencies like Curacao where they could just bring players in from there like Jonathan Scope and Bogarts for the Netherlands. Italy doesn't really have that, so it's a lot of not even Italian players, just guys of Italian descent. So you really are kind of not mining the bottom of the barrel because that's not the right word, but you're really looking all over for players to fill up this roster. So the fact that they found a couple guys with major league experience is impressive enough. And the fact that they all perform well in an upset win against a Cuban team that has a bunch of major leaguers and a bunch of experienced guys. I mean, those are a lot of vets on that team. I think that you may not see a bigger upset in the entire World Baseball Classic than that game. 
That's outstanding. So cool to see. Now let's we can pivot over to Major League Baseball a little bit. You got you, you're covering the New York Yankees a little bit over here at Fan Sided. The top question that went into the Yankees offseason was, is Aaron Judge going to resign? And for 10 minutes, we thought he was going to be a member of the San Francisco Giants until well, that. Well, we thought Arson Judge was Ar- going to be a member. I'm so happy you brought that up. I will <laughs> never forget that as long as I live. Arson Judge going to the San Francisco Giants. But then the whole thing got nuked, and he ended up being a member of the New York Yankees once again. Do you think he can repeat what he did last year at least one more time in his career? Absolutely not. Now, that is not to say Aaron Judge stinks or Aaron Judge is a bum or this contract's going to end up biting the Yankees, but realistically, how many times are you going to hit 62 home runs? How many times are you going to get that perfect confluence of performing well? Now, is he going to probably hit over 40 home runs? I think he probably will, and I think that's still a fantastic season because people forget, too, Aaron Judge is 30 years old. So that may have been the best of Judge. Like That's the nightmare scenario because you just paid – a bajillion dollars to bring him back, but expecting 62 is not realistic. I know some Yankee fans will. Like, I know that's part of why Giancarlo Stanton can be very polarizing at times because they got him right after he had 59 home runs with Miami. And then when he hit 38, I believe, his first full season, they're, oh my goodness, it's not 59. And then all of a sudden, you know, the weight of the world's coming down on this guy. But Yankees fans should expect, I think, more of the same from what you've seen in his other fully healthy season, which is an average close to 300 in that 280 range. He's going to walk a ton. He's going to hit around 40 homers. He's going to challenge for 100 RBIs, and he's going to play exceptional defense, which is an incredibly underrated part of his game that I'm surprised more people don't talk about. I mean, there are outfielders who are six foot 180 that don't feel like this guy, and he's 6'7", 280. Yeah, and with the way the short porch is, sometimes having a right fielder like that who can also play center field, you know, and with his height, sometimes he just reaches his hand over the thing. He doesn't even have to jump. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of Aaron Judge, and it's funny you touched on Giancarlo Stanton while talking about Aaron Judge because that was actually my next bullet point. He is a very polarizing player, not even just in the New York Yankees landscape, but I think in Major League Baseball in general. What's your take on him as a player, especially as we head into yet another year of him playing in this Yankees lineup? Well, I'm a big fan than most of Stanton. I just think that what fans expected him to be may have kind of colored their expectations of him before he even got there. Like it was when he came off 60 home runs in Miami, which before they altered the dimensions may have been the hardest park in the league to hit home runs in. They're like, well, he's obviously going to hit 70 and, Yankee Stadium. Now, he hasn't done that. He's been injured pretty frequently, which isn't surprising for a guy who's that big and has that much muscle. Sometimes if if you're that strong and you move something the wrong way, you're going to pull something. You're going to be out for a while. And I I know some Yankees fans also don't like the fact that he's basically defensive negative. You can stick him in right field if you want. You can stick him in left field if you want, but you're going to sacrifice a ton of defensive skill. And he really doesn't offer you anything as a base runner. And he's been very hot and cold lately is the other problem where earlier in the year, he was hitting close to and above 300, like around middle of May. And then once August came around, he was really struggling to even get above 200 or he was above 200, but he was kind of flirting with it. And then he ended up like in the 210 to 20 range. So all those factors combined, especially like, I mean, you know, the, the old school Yankees fans who love batting average and getting on base and all these things like that. He's just not a, He's not a guy that those fans are going to love. But at the same time, he's still got the power, and he still comes through in clutch situations more than you'd think. 
tons of August and September games against division foes, Boston, Toronto. For some reason, Tampa he struggles with. But Boston, Toronto, Baltimore, and the postseason, he's come through in a big way. He sure has. And in order for the Yankees to keep their pace into this season, I think the pitching rotation is going to have to be, you know, as solid, if not better than it was last year. They went out and spent a lot of money on Carlos Rodon, former Chicago White Sox pitcher Carlos Rodon. And he's going to begin this upcoming season on the injured list. He's shut down for the rest of spring training. What's your take on Rodon and the pitching rotation that is set to follow him? I know you got Garrett Cole and you're hoping for big things from Severino and Nestor Cortez and guys like that. Where are you on this pitching rotation? Well, I've been in the anti-Brian Cashman camp for a while because he hasn't won a championship since 2009. We all know that. And he hasn't really come close since. And the Astros have thoroughly lacked him to the point where really the only chance, in my opinion, they have of winning the World Series this year is to just hope that something goes wrong with the Astros because I think they're just that far ahead. Now, I'll give him credit. He tried to build a better rotation. He tried his hardest. He traded for Frankie Montas from the Oakland A's, and then he signs Carlos Rodon. Now, the problem I had, Rodon, he's been hurt in the past. Guys get hurt. It's a forearm strain. It's not like he just had his arm get run over by a semi-truck, and he's never going to pitch again. Like These things happen. The Montas thing is very interesting because not only was he statistically proven to be a pretty below-average pitcher outside of Oakland where there's all that foul ground, but he had injury history. And then he comes to the Yankees and immediately is hurt, and he's probably not going to pitch all year. I like Severino, but he's had injuries in the past. I'm still not sure where he's going to land. Nestor Cortez, fantastic season last year, but I mean, he was a long relief guy, spot starter before this crazy season. Do, do we even know if it was just like a one-hit wonder kind of thing? So beyond that, you have Clark Schmidt, average, I would say, long reliever, trying to be a starter, not really amazing in either, just average. Domingo Herman, who has all his personal problems on top of the fact he's the dictionary definition of mid. So they tried really hard to make sure that Garrett Cole had all the support, and yet here we are back at square one where it's Garrett Cole and then a bunch of question marks behind him. For sure. When you're playing in a division like the AL East, things could get pretty difficult. Obviously, the Baltimore Orioles took a big step last year. I would say the Red Sox took a step back, but they still weren't a disgusting team by any means. And then you got the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Yankees at the top. Do you think the Yankees can pull out a win in this division? Or is there another team there that kind of like, hey, they might you know, take this thing, the Rays might bounce back, or this could be the year of the Orioles to fully put it together? Like, Where are you at on the division? See, Baltimore, I think, still might be a year away. I think they kind of caught some people off guard. I love the pieces they have, Gunnar Henderson, Natalie Rutschman, and all that. I still think they need one more year to sort of gel, kind of get used to life in the major leagues, and then I think you could start building from there. Now, on paper, it should look like the Yankees and Toronto are going to dominate the division because Toronto's got all these young players. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be back and healthy. I think a guy like Kevin Biggio is going to have a bounce back year. Bo Bichette's there. I like some of the additions they made to their pitching staff. The problem being, every year, through some devil magic, like Brady-like devil luck, I don't know how it happens, but Tampa Bay always ends up winning 90 games with this collection of guys you never heard of. And then Boston, right when you think everything's going to finally collapse and set them in kind of a years-long rebuild, they go on a hot streak and they're in the postseason picture by the time August comes around. So my, my better judgment and my all my analysis i could do would say yeah boston and baltimore and even tampa do would agree 
not really worried, but I say that every year. And then there they are in September going 91 and 71 and fighting for a wild card spot. So knowing that the Yankees can't just take this division for granted. No. And last year they got out to an insane start. And I think that helped them kind of coast to the playoffs last year. Obviously they did win a series and it, like you mentioned with Houston, it took a minute to, or not took a minute. It took a team like that to take the Yankees down. I mean, the Astros are very, very good. And then you move over to, the western side of the country and you have the west coast yankees as i call them sometimes the los angeles dodgers and the thing the dodgers do probably better than everybody is spend their money wisely on top of acting like the rays in terms of a team that is very good at developing and signing young players and turning their own players into high money players and then when a guy like mookie Betts becomes available they go out and trade for them Um, i think part of that too is i want to get a little tinfoil hat conspiracy here on the show. And I want to see if you'll indulge me on this. Mm -hmm. I think that there is some collusion between whoever runs MLB pipeline and baseball America and the Dodgers, because every one of these trades they make, it seems like they give away four top 100 prospects, multiple guys in the top 20, very few of them, if ever pan out. And then the next time a guy becomes available, the Dodgers got five more guys. (laughs) You make a good point. And what two teams, Two teams that made the playoffs last year had top 10 farm systems, right? Uh, The Dodgers and the Guardians. And the Guardians isn't very surprising because them making the playoffs was kind of a surprise. So you might be on to something there, Mike. I mean, even look at the Nationals. Who was the big get? Was it Kybert Ruiz and Josiah Gray? Yep. None of them look like they're going to – they might be okay MLB players, but not headliners for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Yeah, and then the Do- or the Padres got to trade a guy like Mackenzie Gore or something if they're moving into Juan Soto territory. Well, Mc- Mackenzie Gore, I think, could be all right, but I think there's something with the with the Dodgers. That's what but- I'm saying. Like the the Padres have to pony up these prospects that we think are good, and then the Dodgers trade away guys that turn out to not really become much. So I, you make a good point. Flash forward to July. I bet you, if you look at MLB Pipeline's top fifty, there's going to be like three Dodgers in there. And you, so you think it's like some sort of conspiracy theory. Do you think it's possible that the Dodgers, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. I have no actual opinion on it because I could be persuaded either way. Do you think it's possible the Dodgers are like this great team at developing and making guys look as good as MLB pipeline projects them to be? And then they go over to another team that might not be as equipped to be an adequate developer of talent. And then they all of a sudden not become what we thought they would be. Well, I think what's what's on a serious note, what the Dodgers do really well is they're great developing role players who can fill a specific spot when September and October comes around. Like, I know that this guy has evolved into it. Like, a guy that's evolved into a great starter now and is kind of one of the jewels of their system. But I remember how they used Julio Arias for a bunch of different years in the postseason. Like, that to me is a masterclass in how you develop a very raw pitcher who could be either a reliever or a starter. So it's, yeah, it's not just dumb luck or anything like that. It's sharp acumen. And Andrew Friedman obviously coming from Tampa Bay where you had to develop prospects or you weren't going to have a team because they weren't going to spend any money bringing that mindset over the Dodgers and the kind of the confluence of the two styles is what has made them good. Absolutely. And you touch on Mookie Betts. Are you in agreement with me? So for a long time, I thought he was the second best player in the MLB. Like I'm talking late 2010s, like when Mike Trout was at the peak of his powers, winning multiple MVPs and stuff, I would have put Mookie Betts second when he was on the Red Sox. But now it's like you got Shohei Otani and, you know, Aaron Judge make wave and people talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and all the other top players in the world right now. 
talk about Mookie Betts's brilliance and what he brings to the table, even though I don't know, I'm going to call him underrated now after maybe being overrated back in the day. Like where are you at on him in his career as well? Well, I want to take Otani out of the debate because Otani is just this freak of nature that we're never going to see again. So it's pointless to even really say like, oh, well, he's not going to do what Otani does. Who else does what Otani does? Every guy they've even tried to do, what, Brendan McKay? Brendan McKay with the Rays, they tried to do this exact same thing. Nothing yeah. happened to you. Don't even worry about, don't even worry about Otani. I'd still think Mookie Betts is on the fringe of the top five, assuredly within the top ten. The big thing I like about him, though, is just how consistent he is. That's a big thing for me. I mean, he's led the league in runs, I think, three times since the 2018 season. Batting title, power, speed, plays everywhere, and a guy who's been at the heartbeat of two champions. It's one of those things where it's like, what what much more can you ask for? There's nitpicks and stuff, but the Dodgers got everything that they thought they would in Mookie Betts, and then the Red Sox got Alex Verdugo. Woohoo for... Keep it for uh, saving money there, John Henry. Nice job. Yeah, for real. Where do you stand on their pitching rotation? I, I, I still think Kershaw has enough Kershaw devil magic in the bag to – he's not going to win a Cy Young, obviously, but I like him there. I know Walker Bueller is on the men right now. Arias is still there. The bullpen is the more concerning part for me, but at the same time, the bullpen's been the concerning part for the last couple of years where they've had to kind of piecemeal things together in October, especially. And it really doesn't, I know they've only got the one ring and it was the COVID year, but they keep getting there and winning series when they're there. So it doesn't seem to be too much of a deterrent. So whatever qualms I may have about the Dodgers rotation usually end up getting answered anyway, by this front office, they usually make a move for a guy. So I'm not too stressed about it overall. Sure. And like the AL East that the Yankees play in, they also play the Dodgers also play in a very tough division in the NL West. And you got the San Francisco Giants who are always kind of like in the mix. They had the 107 year, the 107 win year. But then last year they were very average 81 and 81, but still not a bad team. Hard to play against by any means. San Diego Padres had a trip in the NLCS. Uh, The Colorado Rockies have been dominant at home and then bad on the road, but you still got to go to Coors Field and play them. They'll probably be slightly improved this year. And then you got the D-backs who, you know, aren't, really on anybody's radar going into this year, at least not mine. Yeah, I think the D-backs are more on my radar than the Rockies. Really? I'm kind of rooting against the Rockies only because Dick Monfort, the owner, came out the other day and he said, you know what, I think if everything goes right, we might be able to play 500 ball. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, good. Uh, really setting those standards high. So if, if that's the height of what they want to reach is 500 ball, I hope they go 51 and 111. Honestly, <laughs> I agree with you. And then, you know, they make signings and it's like, what is this team doing? They don't have a direction. So I do agree with you, but you know, it as good as the Dodgers are, they do have to play in this gauntlet of a division. And the fact that they keep winning it year after year makes their little run here of success even more, you know, special to me. Do you agree? I, it makes it special, but I also think it's kind of coming to an end. I think this is finally the year San Diego ends up breaking through. And, you know, I'm obviously not bringing any new information to the table here. I mean, when you get Xander Bogarts and you get Juan Soto, Josh Hader comes back, and Robert Suarez gets retained, who was an incredibly underrated guy for them last year. Ha Sung Kim was in the trade rumor mill for large portions of the offseason. He's still there. 
I don't know how long this is going to last. Like, I don't think they'll keep all the big guys. I think they might have to let one of them go. I think probably it'll be Soto, which is sad to say because I think he's probably the best of the four. But And I know that the Padres have shown that they'll spend whatever they want, but it's within some reason. You're going to commit a billion dollars to four guys. I don't think any team, even the Steve Cohen Mets, is really going to do stuff that's that outlandish. So I hope the Padres do end up winning it, though, just because I want to stick it to all the Bob Nuttings and the Jerry Reinsdorfs to a degree and the – I'm, I'm uh, blanking on his name – John Fisher over in Oakland to show that it doesn't matter where you are. You guys are billionaires. You can't take all this money with you, so you get morbid, but you can't. This is a better use of your time than penny pension and having $30 million payrolls in the year 2023. That's outstanding. I agree with you. I love what the uh, Padres do. And I'll ask you one more question about them in a second. But do you think the Dodgers winning the World Series with their current core, like that's done? Mm. Putting you on the spot with that one, I know. I would say no. I would say no. I think that they, I think this might be their last shot, though. Okay. Because I think eventually they're going to have to start moving off some guys. Guys are, it's an older team. So I think eventually some of the wheels are going to break off. Losing Trey Turner was humongous for them. And San Diego is not going anywhere. Bogarts is still, I know he's signed until he's 42, but he's still going to turn 30. Soto is young. Tatis is young. Machado feels like he's been in the league forever. I don't even think he's 30 yet. So the Padres, even if they don't keep all the pieces, are not going anywhere, and they're ascending. Now, I know I thought that the last time the Padres tried this, and they got Justin Upton and, Craig Kimbrell way back when, and it didn't work out. But something feels different about this team. Yeah, I agree. And I I like the fact that San Diego's owner spends all that money, too. And like you said, you touched on Jerry Reinsworth. Like, they don't do anything. You know, they bring in Ben Attendee on the richest contracted team history, and they're like, he's Melky Cabrera in a lot of ways, which, you know, good player, fine. But I like Ben Attendee when he was with the Yankees. He did what he needed to do. Yeah, but he was like their 12th best player. Now he comes to the Sox and they're praising him like he's Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani. Like, <laughs> it's it's crazy to me, but I, I appreciate an owner that's trying to win. And I'll tell you what, I agree. Like, Soto moving on wouldn't shock me at all. It would probably be the guy I peg. But if the Padres, Padres, it's becoming a, an adjective at this point, you know, acting like the Padres, I, I can't say I would be stunned at that either, to be honest with you. I mean, they found a way to make Machado work, and it seemed like he was for sure going to leave. And again, I, I bring this up again because Peter Seidler, the owner, said it. You can't take that money with you. Now, I do believe – this is actually interesting. I do believe that the Padres are one of the few MLB teams that had private equity recently invest in them because a lot of private equity is starting to look at just teams more. So there is a bigger influx of cash coming in, I think, than most small markets. But no matter how much cash on hand you have – the philosophy is what is making this happen. The Pirates, Bob Nutting can say whatever he wants. If he wanted to, he's going to complain about ticket prices and, oh, well, beer is going to be $9. Who cares? Well, not who cares. You know what I mean. Relatively, it's not going to be as extreme as he says. You can sign a guy. You can sign a new left fielder. You could sign a starting pitcher better than Vince Velasquez. If the Padres win... I think that that could be a complete sea change across all of baseball because then if they, it won't just be like one team going row. It's it's look, this can happen. You can win in a small market. You can not only win, you can compete with the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Cubs when they're good. 
in terms of spending money. Spending money. And do you see that as a good thing for the league as a whole? Because like you watch, you watch the NHL, and I know you you told me you're not the biggest hockey guy, but like the, the NHL and the NFL have this like hard salary cap, right? You cannot spend a penny over the salary cap. Where the NBA has the uh, soft cap, the MLB has the luxury tax. The NHL and the NFL have a hard salary cap, and if you spend over it, you can't. You can't spend over it. Otherwise, there are like. I don't even know, like nobody spends over it. So, and you see because of it, Tampa Bay's won the Stanley cup. You're seeing teams like the, you know, Arizona coyotes exist and, you know, Florida (laughs) Panthers, the Florida Panthers were the best team in the NHL last year. And in the NFL, the hottest market right now to play is the Kansas city chiefs because they have Patrick Mahomes, but they signed him. but everyone wants to go play there on less money. It's Kansas city. It's not a destination. It's not Miami. It's not New York. It's not LA. I, baseball doesn't have that. It's the warm weather cities and then the cities that are willing to spend all this money. And it, 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 it disimproves the product, in my opinion. Well, the problem that baseball has, I really don't know how you go about fixing this, is number one, it's a very local sport. And just, just the way that it's just not very well marketed in the sense that if you look at an NFL game, this is just me, there could be a Thursday night game. The Carolina Panthers could be playing the Las Vegas Raiders. And they've somehow made it an event to where everybody can tune in, even if you know yourself. I'm a Jets fan, and yourself, you could be a Bears fan. Like, like you will tune into those games. Baseball really doesn't have that, so their best bet, I guess, what they're betting on is let's just make the the legacy brands as strong as possible. The white, the uh, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox, these teams that everybody knows, and then. Maybe every now and again, because the league just would not ha- have know how to market a Tampa Bay Rays versus Arizona Diamondbacks World Series. They would be completely clueless, whereas the NFL just does it in their sleep. So I think the league kind of is promoting, in a way, these big markets consistently being in the con- uh, championship hunt year after year. And I think that the Padres are kind of sticking their middle finger up and going, we don't care about that. We are just as viable as them. It's on your job to promote the sport better because we're going to win. I love it. I hope they – I do. I'm with you. I hope they win the whole thing. Is there another team out there that you can expect people who, you know, might be looking at out-of-market teams, hey, who should I place my bets on this year that might be at a good price? Who's going to surprise the most? I'm going to have to go with – I know you may not like this. I think maybe the Cleveland Guardians have a good shot because – the Guardians are one of these teams where it reminds me of almost like the San Francisco 49ers, I think, before this year, where they thought everyone thought, oh, this is the year it all finally collapses. Like there's going to be something, the quarterback won't be figured out, something will happen, and then it'll all collapse. And then they don't, and they end up winning 12 games every year. I feel like every year someone's like, all right, this is the year Terry Francona goes, and they're going to win 70 games, and they're going to have to start rebuilding and all that. And then every year they just keep bringing guys up and winning games. Now the AL central thing, as you know, is as wide open as any division out there. And then once you get into the playoffs, I mean, for luck, lack of a better word, sometimes it's a crapshoot. They usually have very good pitching, a lot of good young arms, Cal Quantrill, Tristan McKenzie. If they take a step forward and just get hot at the right time, why can't they shut down teams like the Yankees or even Houston? If they get really lucky. Yeah, I agree. And Hey, the more teams that are competitive, the better it is, in my opinion, because August and September baseball, as you know, being more compelling is certainly more fun. 
And, you know, I think about those days, I look out the window right now and it's just starting to flurry and I'm like, this really sucks. And I can't wait for those late summer baseball battles. The more teams that are good, the better one team that has consistently stunk, but been must see TV over the last three or four years has been the Los Angeles angels. Shohei Otani, we've touched on him. He's an He's an angel. I mean, it's kind of weird. It's he's literally a unicorn, an angel, whatever an angel you want to in call the it. outfield sometimes. Literally. <laughs> I mean, I mean literally. And he pitched for Japan earlier today. He's a top five pitcher, in my opinion, and a top ten hitter, sometimes top five hitter, sometimes top one at both. And you know, he, he fluctuates, but he's elite at both. He is a unicorn. What's your take on the great Shohei Otani? I've never seen anything in sports quite like Shohei Otani. I mean, imagine imagine in football if a guy was Tom Brady and Ed Reed at the same time on both sides of the ball. Now, I re- I just hope Otani gets the hell out of Los Angeles, or hell out of Anaheim, rather, because he might end up going to the Dodgers. Because this ownership group, I know Art Moreno talked about selling the team and then backed off it. I know he's not the GM making all these horrible moves, but... If you've had Mike Trout for his entire career and you get to one playoff series and you have Shohei Otani for his entire career and you can't even get to the playoffs, why should I trust that this year is going to be any different? Like the, the league itself, we always talked about how Mike Trout is the best player in the league and he's not very marketable because he's a boring guy. He's not marketable on my part because no one's ever seen him in the postseason. No one really knows what Mike Trout's about. If they got Mike Trout, the league almost wants the Angels in the playoffs. Like, if they wanted to, they would just stick the Angels at the top of the AL West every single year and just watch the Otani money roll on in. I, I think eventually Otani's going to get fed up with the Angels because he's a very competitive guy. He's like a psycho about winning. He's not just cashing a paycheck. I think some team, maybe probably the Dodgers or the Mets, honestly, seem like the top two options. I think it'll probably end up being the Dodgers. We'll get him the hell out of there and onto a team that actually knows how to build for the postseason instead of signing Julio Tehran to big deals and watching him stink. Yeah, I agree. I hate the excuse Mike Trout's not marketable. I mean, he's freaking Mike Trout, right? Like Connor McGabe. Yeah, everyone can be marketable. The league just stinks at it and they give up on guys. I couldn't agree more. Connor McDavid is probably the second be- second or he's right there with Otani as the best athlete in the big four right now at their sport. The, he's he's a cyborg. He doesn't talk. He's boring. He's a he's like annoyingly boring. He's so marketed though. He like he's everywhere. Child, they don't do that with Trout. It annoys the crap out of me. But you know, and now you probably missed out on Trout's best years. Yes, so you blew that chance. Absolutely, because he's not the best player in the league anymore. But he's very very close still. But you know, it's not like he's going to get any better at this point of his career. But you know, before we let you go, I want to chat about one or two more things. You're obviously somebody who covers all sorts of different sports, all sorts of different markets. What's your take on Chicago baseball? You can give me something on the White Sox, the Cubs, whatever you feel. When someone says, Mike, Chicago baseball, what comes to mind? Well, I'm happy that even though the Cubs are not a team that I think is going to really compete for a championship anytime soon, I respect that they're at least trying to field a somewhat reasonable team. They're not just bottoming out like Oakland or – what Colorado tried to do recently or uh, what I think, I think Texas did that a couple years ago too, where they got rid of everybody, even though they lost Wilson Contreras, they go and get guys like Jameson Tyone, Trey Mancini. They make that trade for uh Peyton Wisniewski. 
who's a big Yankees prospect that was really upset that they had to let go to get Scott Efros. I res- there something is there. Like I don't think they're going to be a, a contender, but if they're saying, "Look, we'd rather at least put some effort into the year and try to go 500 as opposed to just bottoming out and tanking for draft picks," I respect that. Now Chicago, I'm at least happy that Tony La Russa is not there, and I don't want to impugn the guy who uh, you know he's a, a great manager for however long, Hall of Famer without a doubt. But uh, you could tell immediately when that happened that. The game had passed him by, and he just went on this young team with all these loud personalities. That was just not the right vibe, especially now with how much of being a baseball manager is personality management and trying to make sure that everybody clicks with each other. So I'm happy that he's going. I know that Benintendi is not biggest signing in franchise history level, but at least it's a sign that they're going to try to compete. I still like the fact that they have a lot of their – pieces in place from the last couple of years when they were supposed to run away with the division that nucleus is still there the white Sox could I, I could see doing some damage in october if things go right if they ended up being the third best team in the american league this year only behind the astros and yankees I, I'll, I'll go fourth best behind the astros yankees and blue jays would you be stunned i, w- I would not be stunned because i'm thinking the a maybe seattle I think could be above them if they, very good. if they can repeat that. So, but if they're in that, I think they're in that Seattle, Tampa Bay tier, which could get you into the playoffs. Which you should never be impugned for trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm going into this year with like moderate hopes as a White Sox fan, and I think the National League for the Cubs, it's a gauntlet at the top, and I think I can think of six teams that are guaranteed better than the Cubs. The White Sox, it's like. The Yankees, the Astros, the Blue Jays, I would lock them in ahead of them. And then the Mariners probably, that leaves the AL Central open. And then you got a couple extra wild card spots. So I I like the Guardians too, though. I'm actually with you. I do think they're sneaky good. I would place a wager on them to, you know, if the price was right to to win and they could win in the playoffs if they get lucky. But I know you cover some other sports as well. We've touched on that a little bit. What are your favorite teams, though? Like outside of work, my favorite teams to sit down and watch because they are the teams I root for the most in, in every sport. Well, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, for work, also cover the Jets and the Jet Press podcast. Go and check that out on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe. Hit that little bell to get notified. You know all that good stuff. So I've been lucky enough to cover the Jets professionally also. So it's it's boom times for me because it's Aaron Rodgers' time, potentially. So Does that excite you, though? Like, we're going to be best friends, I think, White Sox or Bears and Jets fans, because we want him out of here. And whoever saves us from that hell that we've been living in for the last 15 years, I think it's like you guys are going to be our second favorite team. Well, I've had more doubts about Aaron Rodgers than most I've expressed in the podcast, because if you if you compare it to a guy like Derek Carr, who's younger and didn't have the injury history that Aaron Rodgers just picked up because he messed up his hand during parts of last year. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers is probably only going to play for two more years, whereas with Derek Carr, you could get him for four, maybe even five, if things really go well. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers has all of his, uh, let's call them unusual science takes with regards to vaccination. Like, that's a legitimate thing that some fans don't like and I particularly don't vibe with. But at the same time, look at the list of of quarterbacks that – the Jets have had in their playoff drive, which is 12 years. So I went to all of high school, all of college, not even sniffing the playoffs once. Mark Sanchez, Bryce Petty, Josh McCown, Sam Darnold, Luke Falk, if people remember that. 
Like to go from that to Aaron Rodgers, like whatever your complaints are, just step back and just say Aaron Rodgers could be the quarterback of the New York Jets. Like that sentence two months ago was unheard of. And it's close to becoming reality. So I think with the defense they have in place, with some of the young skill position guys, this team, I don't think they're quite a Kansas City. I don't think they're at Cincinnati yet, but I think they could be maybe the third best team if everything goes right, maybe in that Buffalo-Baltimore tier. Yeah, absolutely. And the AFC, it's on fire. You got Buffalo, you got Baltimore. Jacksonville took a big step last year. The Chargers are very good. So the AFC is going to be must-see TV next year. Are you a a Raptors fan, or is that a professional thing? Raptors have always had – my favorite player growing up was Vince Carter, and then it also ended up where professionally I ended up covering Vince Carter. So (laughs) Vince Carter's team, rather. Yeah, for sure. You're close to the Devils. I know you're not a hockey guy. I'm a Devils fan, so – we got it. We got to get it where you could see the puck on the TV again, so we could turn Mark Luciano into a Devils fan for sure. Mark, or Mike, Mike. <laughs> I called you. Mike, I called you Mike. I called you Mike all show, and then I call you because what's that other? There's a YouTuber, Mark something, and his last name starts with L. I don't know who I'm thinking of. Uh, you're you're aging me. I, like there was a running joke in college that I was secretly like an 80 year old man because of like movies I like to watch and music tastes and stuff. So with all this YouTuber TikTok names, it's just uh, this. I don't know what's going on. I'm getting old and senile. Who's your favorite musical artist? Uh, I'm typically more like a like a Rocky classics guy. So you know, like I I grew up where like my dad just would always put the uh, like just the. Uh, 102.9 was our classic rock station. He just kind of left that on. So I just grew up listening to stuff like that. Like my dad was always a big Crosby, Stills and Nash guy, but I grew more into like Rush is one of my favorite bands and that sort of, that sort of niche in the, in the music world. Yeah. It sounds like we grew up very similarly. I get made fun of for the same thing all the time, <laughs> all the time. I don't listen to any of the newer stuff. Yeah. My so. dad's favorite movie channel growing up was uh, Turner classic movies. So that's, that's sometimes what I ended up watching was Turner classic movies. So I love that. Mike, is there anything else you want to report on what you've got going on? Anything you want to promote or anything like that? Well, just check out the jet press podcast. We've uh, had some really good reception on it. We've had viewers from the United Kingdom, France, uh, Singapore. I don't know how they found us in Singapore, but dang gum it. They did. So uh, it's the last episode too, I think was really blowing up. It was our biggest to date. So I've had a lot of good reception on that. Check that out on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at Raptors Rapture and at by Mike Luciano on Twitter. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course. This was very fun. I enjoyed having you a lot. I wish you nothing but success. Well, we'd like to have you on again sometime. I think that'd be really fun. You know, it, this was a great time. So thank you very much for coming on. Make sure you follow at Bite by Mike Luciano. I can't read on this screen. At by Mike Luciano on Twitter and follow all of his you know, readings and stuff like that. But listen to the Jet Press podcast. They're getting Aaron Rodgers. Mike Luciano, thank you. Oh, don't, don't jinx it now. now I'm not jinxing it. Mayfield. I, I don't believe in jinxes. I believe in positive vibes. Positive vibes. That's what it is. Uh, the, the Jets have been have been jinxed. Every time I get my optimism up, there's always something. Hey, we got a good player. Oh, wait, he broke his foot and he's out for the year. There's been too many of those. I, I can't be positive. I feel so bad because, like, the Bears are so dumb and so bad and they've been so bad for so long. And yet I still – I feel that Jets fans have it worse and they make it seem like they have it worse. And it makes me feel bad. Like, someone has it worse than me. We All we had to do to break the playoff drought in 2015 was beat the crappy Bills 
And then Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three fourth quarter interceptions and Ken Brell frickin' Tompkins had the ball right in his damn hands. Drop. Don't make the playoffs to 10 and 6. And then that was the pretty much the that was as good as it ever got for Todd Bowles. That's horrible. Hey. I feel horrible. <laughs> you, you didn't have the double doink, but that's pretty bad too. You know, the yeah, double doink came the, in the playoffs. Don't give me that double doink. <laughs> I know, I know. I get it. And you do great work, and everybody needs to check out all these rants on the Jet Press podcast. Mike, thank you so much, everybody. We will send you to a quick commercial break. What I liked about him when I saw him in person at the East-West. So I think this kid gives you a lot of potential in terms of what you're looking for up front. I see him in the Bears offense as a Z or a slot receiver, not the X, because they want the real big guy playing the X. He could be sitting out there in the third round, and you could be getting a guy that could be your situational pass rusher. I think he's a perfect fit for what I've been told the Bears are looking for. This is my three techniques for the Bears, especially if you don't take a guy like Jalen Carter at the top of the draft. This will be a nice pickup. It's perfectly in the system. My gut feeling is this would not be a guy the Bears would take. It's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. I think he's the best center in, in this draft. Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk, where we can't thank Mike Luciano enough for coming on our show. That was absolutely awesome conversation, talking about all sorts of things. I mean, we're talking Yankees, Dodgers, Padres, Shohei Otani, World Baseball Classic. If you're just tuning in right now, make sure you go back and watch all that, listen to all that, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, all sorts of great stuff. Now, Team USA is getting ready to start playing here in the World Baseball Classic in a couple days. And I believe it's the 11th they start. It's going to be a 8 o'clock first pitch if you live in the central time zone. And you look at what they got going on with this roster, right? And I'm going to pull up their whole roster right now and give you a little bit of tidbit on what they have. Obviously, from the Chicago White Sox, you will see Tim Anderson, Kendall Graveman, and... um, Lance Lynn and there's those are huge names right and Lance Lynn's probably not even going to be in the starting rotation that's how deep this team is there's a good chance that he is one of the relief pitchers that helps this team win he also could very well get in there you know rotation but they got Adam Wainwright Brady Singer uh, Miles Mikolas Merrill Kelly all these guys are great and Lance Lynn we'll see but there's no shortage of great pitchers on this team. And then when you look at the infielders and outfielders and catchers, loaded. Kyle Higoshika, uh, JT Real Muto, and Will Smith, obviously a trio of three of the ten best catchers in the league. And then on the infield, you got Peter Alonzo, Tim Anderson, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Jeff McNeil, Trey Turner, Bobby Witt Jr. That's an all-star team. Right there in the outfield, Mookie Betts, Cedric Bones, Kyle Schwarber, Mike Trout, and Kyle Tucker. Superstars. Absolute superstars. Lots of them with playoff experience. A couple of them with a couple World Series rings. Having Mike Trout on this team with Mookie Betts. I mean, there was a point where Mike Trout and Mookie Betts were the two best players in the league, as Mike and I talked about during the show. This stuff is outstanding, and I encourage everybody to watch the World Baseball Classic as it unfolds. 
Um, there's also some other great teams that you could pay attention to, but obviously uh, I'm assuming most of the people watching this are going to be heavily invested in Team USA who play in Phoenix for Pool C to start off the tournament. And in their pool is Colombia, Mexico, Great Britain, and Canada. It's a group of teams that I think Team USA has a good chance to come out, but obviously Colombia, Mexico, Great Britain, and Canada are all going to fight hard to be a team that comes out with them. And, hey, we've seen a couple upsets. People who just assumed that the Netherlands or that Italy would lose to Cuba, well, they both beat Cuba. And we saw Johan Mancata and Luis Robert not play all that great in those two games. You could go to southsideshowdown.com and read my recap of each of those two games between Cuba and both Italy and the Netherlands, um, in addition to other things going on with White Sox spring training. And speaking of White Sox spring training, them and the Cubs have been going at it. The Cubs are, I think, after beating Canada yesterday, they won eight spring training games in a row. Do spring training games matter in terms of wins and losses? Absolutely not. Do they matter in terms of good vibes and feeling good and all that? You'd rather win than lose? Absolutely. So things are going well for the Cubs in Arizona. And then the White Sox had a tough loss yesterday. Dylan Cease, just one of his worst outings I've ever seen, spring training, regular season or postseason or any combination. It's probably one of his worst starts in the history of his life. And just not good. But if anybody on the Sox deserves a benefit of a, it's a spring training pointless game. It is Dylan Cease. He is the best player on the team, in my opinion. And we'll see how he bounces back next time he makes a spring start. He might only have one or two left because he's certainly probably going to be the opening day starter for the White Sox. So we'll see how that goes. That's my update on the White Sox and the Cubs spring training. And one thing I wanted to throw out there. And if you're watching this right now and you plan on also watching next Thursday, when we have a couple of fun things planned, I want to know what's your favorite snack to eat at a baseball game. You don't have to answer it right now. You don't have to put it in the chat right now. I want you to think about it. A week-long thing for you to think about. Come into next week knowing what you're going to say is your favorite snack to eat at a baseball game. I want to come up with a power ranking of snacks to eat at a baseball game, and we're going to go over it with my guest. And I think it should be uh, – should be a good way to, you know, enjoy some non-baseball-related baseball conversation. Maybe lighten it up a little bit. Everybody's always so stressed over what their teams are doing and whatnot. Not me. I'm talking snacks. We're going to decide what we're going to be eating at the ballparks this year. So very much looking forward to that. And speaking of looking forward to things baseball-related, South Burbs Hitman is going to be returning in a couple weeks. It is going to be two Mondays from now or three Mondays from now. I'm bad at math. I don't know dates well. But it's coming up, and... Zim, Joe, and I are going to go over this White Sox baseball season and see how it goes, depending are they going to bounce back from the abysmal year that was the 2022 season where they finished 81-81, and 81, or are they going to come back out and be that 93-69 and 69 team that they were the year before? Are they going to be some kind of nice mix right in the middle? I don't know. I honestly have no honest clue on what's going to happen. I know that's like a cop-out answer, but as the year, uh, weeks go along, Joe, Zim, and I are going to be right there to, you know, discuss it, debate it, talk about what they need to do, what they need to not do, and it should be a good time. So I hope everybody is ready for that. Um, another thing I wanted to get into really quick before we get out of here is your five favorite teams to watch, including your favorite team. And I think it makes it more fun when you like enjoy baseball as a whole. And that's why this show was invented was to get White Sox and Cubs fans to venture out and learn. Cause as Mike pointed out, it's a very localized sport and a lot of people only care about the team where they're from. Well, there's so much good baseball out there to be watching all summer long. 
and you get home from a party at night, the White Sox and the Cubs played a day game, you watch that already on the deck, well, you might want to watch the Dodgers versus the Padres, right? Because that's a great night game that is going to be super entertaining and must-see TV. I want to know what your five favorite teams to watch are. And that you could put in the chat right now if you're watching, or you could come to it with me next week. What teams are you watching the most? Most I came up with a list. I threw an honorable mention at the Yankees and the Mets. I will be watching a lot of Yankees and Mets baseball this upcoming season just because I think the two New York teams are always compelling. They spend a lot of money. They're always in the mix lately. And, you know, rabid fan bases that are funny to watch and troll and all sorts of things just to keep up with the baseball conversation. I do think keeping the New York teams as honorable mentions is important. At number five, I think I'll watch the Angels more, though. And the reason is because they have Shohei Otani. And Shohei Otani, along with Mike Trout, can't forget about that little guy, um, is must-see TV. If the Angels, if I'm watching at least one Angels game every five days, that's more than most of the teams in the league. And I still want to watch Otani hit when he's not pitching. So they'll be on my TV. They're also on later than the other teams I'm going to name. So they're they're the go-to night game, like super late night game for me. Uh, at number four is the Cubs. Those of you who don't who know me know I don't fathom me some Cubs. They're not my favorite team. I don't enjoy rooting for them, but I will watch them a lot. I cover them for fan-sided. It's honestly a big part of my summer is covering the Cubs and seeing how Dansby Swanson, one of my favorite players in the league, is going to adjust to playing with this new vamped Cubs team is intriguing to me. And they will by far be the number four most watched team on my radar this summer. Number three, the Atlanta Braves. I love the Atlanta Braves. I have family in it, or I used to have family in Atlanta. They're back home now. But, you know, in their time living there, it was, you know, very, very fun going to the battery and enjoying the Braves and buying Braves gear. I have a Braves hat that I'm looking at right now. Uh, I was going to wear it, but I want to wear a Braves hat and a White Sox shirt. Um, the Atlanta Braves are special to me, and they're my third favorite team. I will always enjoy the Atlanta Braves. Dansby Swanson's former team. That's where my love for Dansby Swanson comes from, of course. Number two is the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox have been my second favorite team for as long as I can remember now. Um, you know, Mookie Betts, when he was on the Red Sox, was my favorite player. Him and then the White Sox traded Chris Sale there. Love Xander Bogarts. I think he's going to have a brilliant year with the Padres now. And Devers is still there. They got, you know, this great pipeline that they've been building ever since Heim Bloom took over. So hopefully the Red Sox have a little bit of a bounce back here. I'm excited to watch them this year. And then, of course, number one is the White Sox, right? Like they're my favorite team. They're the team I cover professionally in addition to the Cubs. So it should be a lot of fun watching the White Sox come back this year. And, you know, I see Travis's list here. Travis has White Sox, Cubs, Red Sox, Rangers, Angels. I'm honestly stunned, Travis, that we only have one difference. We have four of the same teams out of five that we'll be watching the most this year. We swapped out Rangers for Braves. So you'll be watching a little more of the Rangers. I'll be watching a little more of the Braves. But, hey, I'll probably tune into the Rangers a little bit this year, especially early in the season now that they got Jacob deGrom to go in with Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, who they signed last year. Sign me up. I'll be watching the, the Rangers a little bit. Um exciting baseball's coming and the world baseball classic is going on right now i got a couple more games tonight team usa starting on the 11th 8 p.m i hope everybody tunes in and is ready to discuss it next year or next week next week by this time there's a good chance that team cuba is eliminated because they're already zero and two after losing to netherlands and italy and i'm excited to bring in my friend phil selig to talk about 
Team Cuba next week. We were going to have him on this week, but we figured it'd be better to push him off to next week because I think it'll be a more appropriate based on how things are going with the way the games have been for them so far. So looking forward to talking with him and, you know, the World Baseball Classic. We'll be we'll be into the good stuff by then. So we'll know a little bit more about each team by then in terms of how they played. Every team will have at least played a game or two by then. So very much looking forward to it. I hope everybody enjoyed watching today's show. And I want to remind everybody that tonight you can watch the Mac and Reed show at 6 p.m. Central Time. Mac and Reed show, 6 p.m. Central Time. I know this is a show that all sports fans are going to want to tune into. They are going to talk about whether or not the Chicago Bears will trade the pick before Sunday. Is that a thing for the Bears to trade the pick before Sunday? Are the Bears free agent targets? Who are they heading into this weekend? Are they going to target this kid I'm seeing that they're looking at from San Francisco? You know, is Orlando Brown on their radar now that he's been non-given the franchise tag and has till Sunday to sign a deal with the Chiefs? And, you know, coming off a Super Bowl year, he might be somebody that they consider. And also, they're going to preview the Oscars. So you can go on and listen to them talk Chicago Bears, talk Oscars, talk all sorts of things. You're going to want to tune into the Mac and Reed show tonight at 6 p.m. Central Time. Travis says, I grew up watching a lot of Braves game, loved them when I was younger. I think the Braves, weren't they a WGN team too? So the Braves and the Cubs kind of have like a little bit more of a national following than some other teams in the league because of the fact that they were one of those teams that everybody had access to uh, outside of the family that I had in Atlanta for a while there. Um, they're also, they were the Boston Braves and Boston's my second favorite city behind Chicago. And so it's the Boston Red Sox, the Boston Braves, the Atlanta Braves. So, okay. Aldo points out that the Braves were on TBS, the other superstation. So shout out to the Braves. Enjoy the Braves. Um, we're going to be talking a lot of Braves on this show throughout the season. So I can't thank everybody enough for tuning in. Again, tonight, Mac and Reed show, 6 p.m. I already read you the topics, Bears, Oscars. You don't want to miss it. South Burbs Hitman coming up in a couple weeks. The next time you see me will be next Wednesday at 2 p.m. with Frank Mueller as we do Bar Down Talking Hockey. The race in the NHL is heating up. Does Patrick Kane and the Rangers stink? Are the Bruins the best team ever? Are the Devils going to win a playoff round? We discuss it all, all season long. A lot of Connor Bedard talk. If you missed yesterday's episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to it. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Twitch, anywhere you can find a podcast, go do it. And as always, to everybody in the chat, to those watching at home, friends, family, fans, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs>